Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after a bit of a disastrous game for the Winnipeg Jets against the Toronto Maple Leafs, a, a game that I think we had billed a little bit as a potential retribution game for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and if that's what they came looking for in this game, retribution, they got that and more. I mean, you know, on the scoreboard, uh, in the penalty box to a degree, a little bit of chucking knuckles, which I think, you know, at this stage, at least just felt like they wanted to have, you know, any kind of fight with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I appreciate the way Dylan stood up for Dominic Toninato. Uh, I don't know if there was a message sent by Kyle Clifford in that he went after a player like Dominic Toninato first and not one of the Jets' tough guys and suggesting that the Jets did the same thing last game. But I think if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan or a Toronto Maple Leafs player, you ticked every single box you were trying to tick tonight. And we know that's got to drive uh, – Jets fans, absolutely nuts because uh, I, I think the Jets fans feel much the same as Mark Shifley did after the last time these teams played and what he said in the dressing room afterwards, nothing better than beating the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I think a lot of Jets fans subscribe to that. So tonight is a tough game for them. Interesting, and I'll break this down. There's definitely a lot of angst heading into the chat room here, but this comment really kind of resonated with me. Noxie says, was tonight a surprise? No. Squeak by Buffalo and a bunch of also-rans and then play a decent team. This is what you get. He also mentioned the refs were horrid. We may talk about that tonight. I know a lot of you are talking about that. But this is interesting for me because what I saw tonight in that Toronto Maple Leafs game, before we bring Ken in here, I basically saw what we saw from this Jets team in in their last game against the Buffalo Sabres. And I really do feel like the difference between those two games is, you know, maybe the quality of opponent, but definitely the finishing ability of the opponent. So the Jets, how have they been winning their most recent games here? We talked about this in the, in the last, uh, in the last podcast after the last game, my belief was the Jets were the second best team in four of the six games that they played. And yet they came away with 10, of 12 points. Well, how did they do that? You know, in games where they were getting outshot, you know, like they did in Buffalo, they were outshot starkly in the first period. We go back to their game and against Vegas, they won four nothing where Vegas was just all over them flirting on early in the game and going ahead uh, of them on the shot clock by, by 20 shots. But what do the Jets do really well? They get opportunistic scoring. Well, they got that tonight. They had two goals in their first four shots of the game, three goals in their first nine shots of the game. The Jets were getting that. They got the lead. They jumped up. I think the difference here is they still allow the amount of shots that they're getting, that their opponents have been getting on them, uh, except it was the Maple Leafs making those shots. It was, you know, the best goal scorer right now in the league who was taking those shots, even though the one goal that he does score on is an empty netter. It was a lot of capable players getting these high danger shots that the Jets were allowing. To me, that's the difference. So the, the question of this becomes, and it was the question we kind of left the last show asking, is this Winnipeg Jets team onto something or are they just playing good enough to get past teams outside of the playoff picture? And how are they going to do against teams above that playoff line? There's a really interesting stat. I'm going to ask Ken when he gets into the show. I'm going to uh, start the show off by asking him this and then he can take it wherever he wants. But interesting stuff coming up here. We need to get to Kenny on this guy with the best music in the business. Here comes Kenny.
So again, before this show started, I looked at the Jets. Uh, right now, the Jets are seven and three in their last ten games. There's only two teams in the entire Western Conference that have a better record over their last ten games than the Jets. That's the Minnesota Wild and the Edmonton Oilers. So the Jets are on a heater, no doubt. I looked over that stretch though and noticed that over their last ten games, now there's a little bit of a qualifier in this. Vegas is in the playoffs right now but they've got a four or i think it may even be it's five games in hand i believe that they have on uh, it's it's four or five games that they have in hand on dallas who's one point behind them for all intents and purposes dallas is that last place team so if we are excluding vegas just based on that the only team over the last 10 games that the jets have beat who are over the playoff line is the st louis blues in that stretch so while that record looks really really good it's going to be interesting to see what happens here going down the stretch as the Jets start to play a lot of games against teams that are above that playoff line. But I kept digging further. I went back 22 games. So keeping in mind that one of those is a win over the St. Louis Blues. Over their last 22 games, how many games do you think the Jets have won over those last 22 games, a quarter of a season, against teams over the playoff line? I'm going to guess three, but I'm not, I wouldn't, wouldn't be confident in it. You are a generous man. It's two. They've won two games, two games against teams over the playoff line. That big victory that they had over the Tampa Bay Lightning and again, St. Louis in overtime. So this to me, yeah. Vegas was over the line when they got the other win. So I'm going to make that three. I think I'm dead on with three. I think we could give you that. We could also That's give you a half the fact point. That we could also give you the fact that again Vegas was in there by by the fact that they had games in hand on Dallas and like if we're trying to use that measuring stick, I mean sure. where they are at that time based to what you know. If you take winning percentage, I think it's definitely two. Uh, the the point being that the Winnipeg Jets really have struggled against teams that are playoff teams and have been making hay on teams that aren't playoff teams. And now we're going down a stretch here where they've got to play, you know, Colorado next Friday. They've got to play the Kings this Saturday. Um, What did you see from the Jets? Did you see a team that just was not able to raise its level against a playoff team? Did you see a team that maybe had its game brought down by the fact that they were playing against teams that were, uh, were, um, you know, not quite playoff level teams or is is it something else? Is it back to back? What did you see tonight that explains the Jets going from winning five of their last six to getting drubbed at the hands of the Maple Leafs? Well, Sean, this reminded me of the game at Colorado, <laughs> to be honest, where actually the Jets had a really strong start to the game. I mean, yes, they were opportunistic, but they had their skating legs going. They were generating. And um, again, this is never it's never about one person, Sean, but uh, the egregious turnover by Mark Shifley, uh, it completely turned the game around. I mean, the Jets were in control of the game. Of course, the Leafs were going to push, but it was such a casual and reckless backhand pass at a place where you cannot make a backhand pass, Sean. You cannot turn that puck over there. I mean, that that it's a dangerous place to turn over the puck. Again, the Leafs come back and score. Um, then they kind of get things going from there. But I mean, that... To me, that it sounds odd. I understand the Leafs scored seven goals and they were, you know, never really in danger in this game. But I think that was such a such a that that play is like such a microcosm of the Jets' season because there are so many self-inflicted wounds when it comes to how they play. So again, 
they couldn't get it going after that point in the second and third period. There's no doubt about that. But uh, I just thought that the uh, the puck management, uh, that's been their undoing, Sean. And then a couple other things. I mean, the Jets haven't been able to keep the front of the net clean. And that was a fact. But again, special teams are a humongous factor in the game. I mean, at 5-on-5, five five, the Jets were in it for a while. But um, they, they kept taking too many undisciplined penalties. And that parade to the penalty box ended up being costly. They gave they had three power play goals scored against them, and then the shorthanded goal, you know, by McKayev is an absolutely you know nice job and a great job by Engvall along the boards to put uh, the Jets in a very difficult spot. And then again, I mean, again, this is not Mark Scheifele's fault that the Jets lost, but the but the lack of a back check on the McKayev goal is another example of. Just plays where the Jets are self-inflicting their wounds, and uh, lo and behold, they look up, and you know it's just a rough goal for them overall. Um, before we go on, uh, I want to say Ken and I are really proud to announce that we've landed a new sponsor on this show, and I and I wanted to talk a little bit behind the scenes here just quickly before we get to this. Ken, P- people should know that we, we weigh these decisions really heavily. We were approached quite often over the last couple. You know, we've been doing this a little over a year, and we held off for quite a long time on bringing sponsors onto this show because we wanted to make sure one that we're providing a good experience for you, the audience but two that we wanted to make sure that the people who that we were bringing on the entities that we were bringing on kind of fit our values. Uh, And we feel so lucky uh, in, in this venture right now, because we've, lined up with uh, with Cambrian Credit Union, who entirely fit exactly what we've been looking for. They were easy to get on board with because not only are they a client of ours now, we're customers of theirs. Kenny will get to his story, but my wife and I moved our mortgage from our old banking institution because we saved so much money doing so, and we've really never looked back since. In fact, we renegotiated our mortgage with them since. And of course, that means we bank for free with the unfee, which is exactly what it sounds like our banking account comes without all those pesky fees. Uh, we've been really happy we made the move. Uh, it's it's just one of these things where, you know, Ken, you don't want to be like selling, you know, hey, this is the restaurant I always go to and you would never get caught dead eating at those places. This, this is a real life perfect alignment for us because we're both clients. So I would say this, here's my cheese ball pitch that I'm going to make, Ken. If you want to be like Rennie and wearing a headband isn't your thing, <laughs> give Cambrian a call for all your mortgage needs. Myself and Mrs. Rennie wouldn't change a thing. Uh, absolutely great stuff and we're so happy to have them on board. I-, I wanted to explore this, Ken, before we get to uh, to anything else. Blake Wheeler had kind of pointed to this being a back-to-back game and kind of you know, pointed the finger at that and saying, that's what happened here tonight. Do you buy that? Well, I mean, to me, it's part of the reason. Um, but I would go deeper than this, Sean. Uh, I think that today was an example of the, you know, the physical toll that the Jets have exacted on themselves as a group because of their reliance on playing a three-line game. Uh, this has been a, this was a problem when Paul Maurice was the head coach. He could not find a fourth line that he could lean on for eight to ten minutes a night. And now, when you get into game sixty nine of the season, uh, when you have back to back, even with minimal travel from Buffalo to Toronto, um, I, I think this was a night where all of those games. We've talked about this a lot, Sean. When Mark Scheifele, Blake Wheeler, Kyle Connor, when he's in the lineup. When those guys have to play 22, 23, 24 minutes a game for so many nights of the year and they can't play the fourth line 8 to 10 minutes, this is what happens. You don't have legs 
And that's part of the reason. Yes, of course, they went through a busy stretch where they played five games and eight nights. But the Jets were good during that stretch of time when they played five of eight at times. So to me, it's more of a cumulative effect than it is just in this uh, scenario as well. Uh, so again, I, I I don't dismiss it, but I think it goes deeper than that. And I think that, uh, you know, the Jets coaching staff has not leaned heavily enough on their fourth line. And, and today was one of those nights where it got them in trouble because they their big guns were burnt out to a degree. And they didn't have a lot uh, to go for various times. And, and again, I mentioned Shifley earlier. He's one of those guys that didn't look like he had a ton in the tank. And if he did, he, he didn't um, he didn't empty the tank, if you will. Uh, you know what? I'd, I'd say this about the back. If the back-to-back did play a role, I mean, this is one of those things that you're essentially saying, this is out of our hands, right? Like the, the schedule is out of our hands. We can't handle this situation. So what do players talk about all the time? They talk about controlling what you can control. And this would be my issue with blaming this loss uh, to, and the loss to the degree that it was on a back-to-back is what the Jets, I think, could have done to control this was to have started the game better in Buffalo yesterday right like if you're going to say that we spent all our energy there because we went to overtime and we went to a shootout um to me that then the the problem started in that you're playing a team that's below the playoff line a team that you know those are the teams you need to make hay against and they did but they took you know the, the buffalo took their pound of flesh because the jets didn't really show up in the first period and absolutely got worked now if the jets would have showed up and played the game that they did in the second and the third right from the beginning maybe they get out of that before overtime and who knows maybe you know giving it a full effort in the first period takes the same amount of energy out of them. And I'm, it's a moot point that I'm talking about here, but I, I don't think that you can put in a lesser effort against a team like Buffalo, the way that we saw the Winnipeg jets do that escape with two points and then blame that game for what happened here tonight. I, I, I I don't like it. I, I don't. I, I think that, you know, there needed to be a little bit more ownership of, you know, the things that went wrong, uh, Going down the stretch here, these are, you know, we've talked about the amount of room that the Jets have left for losses. I still, I, I think I'm a little more, I don't know if I'm more conservative or more aggressive on this, which one it would be. But I, I know that there's talk that the Jets themselves had put out uh, uh, um a document that said they could only lose two more games and an overtime loss. I still believe even after tonight's loss that the Jets have three more losses in them. So if they go 10 and three, I think they will have a chance of getting over that playoff line. Uh, but it doesn't change the fact of the matter that every you know loss is is a dagger on their season, another nail in the coffin. Uh, and to have one here tonight, I don't think you can just turn that around and say, listen, we played an hour, you know, an hour down the road in Buffalo uh, and we took that trip afterwards and that took everything we had out of us. Um, I think there, there needed to be more tonight from the Jets than we saw. And I don't, think that placing it entirely at the feet of a back-to-back game uh, is is an honest assessment of things. Well, I mean, the other part is this. This is very simple, Sean. I mean, this is the exact scenario the Leafs were in when the Jets beat up on them in Winnipeg in December, right? I mean, Great point. The, the Leafs Boom. played the night before against the Minnesota Wild and played their backup goalie. So, I mean, that's the way it goes. I mean, nobody's feeling... I wrote about this in my story last night. I mean, the Leafs aren't... The Leafs have no business feeling sorry for the Jets and their scheduling situation. They don't care about that. And I mean, that's that's just the way it goes. I mean, the Jets have at least two more back-to-backs to come, if not a third, right? So, including one back-to-back in Florida. They have one against Ottawa and Montreal. But, I mean, 
the schedule is the schedule. And, and here's the other part. If the Jets, you know, if you can't be relied upon in the second game, well, then you got to win some of those other games earlier on. So, um, yeah, I mean, is it part of the reason? Sure. But, I mean, I, I also don't think that Blake was saying it was only – what Blake was saying – No, was he wasn't, only, yeah. He was saying know, that the, they, they didn't have any energy left, which that was pretty evident. Yeah, you know what? The way that I ended that, actually, the way I ended that, and I said, you know, uh, it's not – I don't know, whatever I said, it's dishonest to lay it at the feet of that. Uh, it made it sound like I was accusing Blake Wheeler of entirely saying that. He didn't. So let's be clear. That's not what I was trying to say. It kind of sounded like that's what I was trying to say. Uh, so I retract that. That is not exactly what I, I I meant. I did think, though, the fact that that, that came up in the conversation afterwards. Um, and, you know, Harvey Manuka says they, they were exhausted. It looked like that. So, I mean, maybe, maybe it does have uh, a role to play in it. I still do think that if you control what you can control you know if you come out you 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 run it up on buffalo at the beginning of that game last game and then coast for the last couple of periods and sit on a lead which is easier to do than playing your way back into a game like they had to do that's how you go about resting that's how you go about conserving energy going into a back-to-back like this i love your point about the toronto maple Leafs because it's one thing that we forget about the edmonton oilers did it earlier as well and i do remember that people in jetsland were absolutely over the moon that they had knocked off the Edmonton Oilers the way that they uh, the, the way that they did, and then the Toronto Maple Leafs as well. When both teams had had you know a piece taken out of them right before that, uh, the the Leafs by the Minnesota Wild, who were absolutely on top of their game. They've stumbled at some point in the season, but I noticed now, Ken, they're right there on pace with the Calgary Flames. So the Minnesota Wild look to be back. Uh, that's a team that is out of the Jets' uh, dreams of catching. So um, we we should move on. And since we're so, well, do you have something to say before we move just on? Just quick, quick one on Wheeler. I mean, seven game point streak and uh, you know, excellent goal. I mean, that's a very very nice play. Uh, he walked uh, walked around Mark Giordano on that play. Really nice goal by by him. And I mean, Wheeler's up the ante when it comes to his production, and uh, it's been impressive to see. In a lot of okay, ways. I wanted to I wanted to save that for after, but oh, let's sorry. get into that right now since you brought it up. I mean, let, let's credit where it's due. Blake Wheeler, like you said, points in seven straight games. There was that moment earlier this season when Blake had gone on a little bit of a heater. Around that time, they went in and uh, uh, knocked off. I think they did. They knock off the Blues and Predators back to back. Um, came back down two nothing against the Predators. I believe one five two against them. Blake was putting points in like a madman at that time. And when we asked him about it, his response was, "What's changed?" Right, which seemed you know it was it was a cocky response. And sometimes that's what you want out of players is is a little bit of arrogance. You know, helps is because arrogance quite often means belief in yourself. And no doubt about it, Blake Wheeler believes in himself. Um, at that point, it almost seemed like it was, you know, we were thinking to ourselves, like, what, what's changed? Are you suggesting that you right now are the same as the Blake Wheeler of, let's say, 2016, 2017, 2018? It seemed like a ludicrous comment at the time, Ken. It doesn't seem so ludicrous right now. When you see him score goals like that, that's that's the Blake Wheeler of old. When you see him basically being in on points. Listen, we talk, so he's got points in seven straight games, right? Well, what does that take us back to? That takes us back to that, that six-game stretch we were talking about against teams outside of the playoffs that they needed to win against. Well, if you take a look at all those games outside of the victory over the Vegas Golden Knights, which is a 4 nothing victory for them, they win all those games by one goal. If Blake Wheeler isn't making the contributions he's making, that's that's the that's the point that is helping to put this team 
over that line that they were just barely getting across against those teams. So you have to take a look and say in this moment right now, what did the Jets need more than anything? Never mind who they were playing. They needed wins. They needed points. They needed to, to walk away with two points at, on as many of those nights as they could. Blake Wheeler on nights where they were just getting past those teams by one goal, Blake Wheeler was pitching in one or two points in those games, which means he was helping them get over the line at the most crucial time of the season. Give credit where it's due for Blake Wheeler. He was getting the job done. Uh, yep. You got one. I'm going to let you wrapping go it up. Just wrapping up points in 12 of the last 13 games. I mean, it's not only yeah. about points with Blake. I think his feet, he's got his legs going again. I think his effort level has been high and, Again, I mean, we know we talked about this the other day, but I actually, I, I've liked Wheeler with Dubois. Those guys have shown some nice chemistry together, just like they did at various points last year. We, I think you and I were early on that. We saw that one coming. So if we're talking about getting things done, how about our, our uh, other sponsors, the Johnson Group, uh, Maddie and the boys. Check this out. I wanted to show you this, Ken. So before nice. this, I'm just going to go and show you. Nice we were work. using this before. Now, Rennie is not exactly the most technically savvy person. I took a, a logo that they sent to us, and I stretched it out, and I used it. It's not perfect, but then... You know, Johnson Group, they get it done. That's what they do. And they made this gorgeous little banner for us here. You know, they take, they make people's lives better. That's exactly what, uh, what they do. Uh, so you got to be really impressed by this. And I just want to go back and do my read here. You won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits proudly administered by our friends at Johnson Group. The Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues and teledoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. Now, Ken, we need to get into this because I know that the chat room wants to get into this. The decision to go with Eric Comrie uh, on this night. Uh, I'm not even going to start with anything. I just want to <laughs> throw it to you. Here's the plate. Here's the fork and knife. Head to the buffet. Give me an idea of whether you think this was the right move and why. Well, I, I wish you had stuck with your original premise The uh, last night's show. You, you wanted Comrie in this game and you got him. So you were on that early. Uh, for me... I understand why the move was made, and you know Eric Comrie has played well. Uh, you know he won five consecutive games, and he has given the Jets everything they could have asked for out of the backup role. And given the taxing nature of the schedule, they were going to need Eric Comrie to step up and play in some games. Uh, personally, as I said last night, and as I said last week. I think that Connor Hellbuck would have given them a better chance to win in this situation, especially given how sharp he was uh, in the game the night before against the Buffalo Sabres. Do I think it was a bad call? No. Uh, but, I, you know, was it the call that I would have made? No. I mean, we talked about this a ton. I mean, the Jets have played Connor Hellbuck in back-to-backs before with short travel. The travel was short. Hellebuck was very sharp. Now, again, if we know that Connor Hellebuck wants to play every single game, if he went into the meeting with Wade Flaherty and Dave Lowry after yesterday and said, you know what, I'm gassed, and we went 65 minutes in, a, in, you know, in overtime and into a shootout, and that he couldn't go, then by all means. But, uh, and again, I don't blame Merrick Carmery one bit about this game. The Jets were not good enough in front of him, and special teams were the difference in this game. It was not a goaltending issue for the Winnipeg Jets whatsoever. 
I just think that Connor Hellebuck is starting to get into that zone, and when when he is in that zone, uh, I, I think you ride you, you rode him in the first half, and I would have expected them to ride Hellebuck tonight. Do I understand why the decision was made? Absolutely. Um, no, I mean, welcome back, Roscoe. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice to have you back. Um, Spicy takes. Roscoe's yeah. got the spicy takes. We got we we missed those. <laughs> no, and again, I think that Comrie was fine in the game. I mean, did he steal the game? No, but I mean, was he at fault in this game? Absolutely not. But having said that, I think I, I personally would have leaned towards Hellebuck, and I'm not. This is not you know 2020 vision. I, I said this last night, and I said it on Sunday. Um, at the same time, you also understand that you know <laughs> the Jets are going to have to give. And the other reason why too, Sean, I mean, when you play your backup, here's the other part. The Jets have played better in front of Eric Comrie at times uh, this year, especially lately. So when you're playing a team that's in the top 10 of the NHL, like the Maple Leafs, sometimes you do go to your backup because you want to put your team on high alert, especially after you've had a brutal start against a team like the Buffalo Sabres. So uh, I can understand all of the reasoning putting in Comrie was sound, but I personally... I think the Jets would have had a better chance to win with Connor Hellebuck just based on how he's been playing of late. But again, Eric Comrie's been playing very well, you know, five wins in a row. So was he deserving? Yes. Would I have personally started him? Probably not. Well, I'll say this. You talked about sometimes you get that bump from having the backup goaltender. Uh, You know, there's been a couple games lately in which Connor Hellebuck started the game. We talk about that Buffalo game. We talk about the the game against the Vegas Golden Knights that they won 4-0. Those are two games that Connor Hellebuck showed up early and the Jets didn't. Right. And they won those games because Connor Hellebuck got back to his big and boring style, was absolutely phenomenal in those games and won those games for the Winnipeg Jets. Those are two. Those are two victories. Those are four points that I put directly tick tick in Connor Hellebuck's uh, um, column. Now, before they headed on this trip, I had suggested they should go with uh, with Comrie in Buffalo and Hellebuck in, in Toronto. That was what I had suggested. Now, they 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 went and they flip-flopped it back and forth last night after that game i had said i, I believe I, I believe i said this i know that i've been you know advocating for a long time about Comrie, but i i believe i said in last night's show i don't know how you don't go to connor hellebuck in this situation after this uh and now that's not saying i don't believe in Comrie. you talked about a team getting a bump from him well listen last night against buffalo when uh when connor hellebuck went in there the jets came out flat tonight when you start with Eric Comrie, the Jets came out hot. And I think if you go back and you look at the games that Eric Comrie's played in, the Jets do come out hot when he's in the net. I think if you're looking for an explanation of that, Nick Eulers gave a great one last time he played. They really care about this guy. They believe in him. They want him to do well. So I think that there is a little bit of a spark. So he he earned the Jets that spark. Now, did he have the best night? Um Clearly he did. There was a couple times, you know, a couple shots that trickled through his legs. Uh, one of them was a bit of an early whistle that the Leafs were unhappy about. The other one, the Jets defenseman jumped on that. That tells me he wasn't at the top of his game. But it also, Ken, tells me that those mistakes that he made didn't cost the team. I'm squarely with you on this. I don't hold Eric Comrie responsible for this loss in any way at all. I mean, there was traffic around the net. Players banging it in from the side of the net. That last goal, you know, there's an empty net goal in there. That last goal is, you know, a blown coverage, a wide open seam on the power play in the back of the net. Uh, Mikheyev is in all alone on on uh, on a when you're on a power play. Uh, a bunch of 
you know, power play goals for the for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, the, this wasn't an easy night to be a goaltender for the Winnipeg Jets. I will say this, though, as much as I've talked about Comrie, as much as I've said, and I think this is an important distinction because Rosgo Pico Train had said that he thinks that he stinks. And I'll say this time and time again, we would not be talking about slim chances of the Winnipeg Jets making the playoffs right now if it wasn't for Eric Comrie and how he's played this season. We would talk, be talking about the Jets being eliminated and having no chance in the plans that they would have heading into the offseason and what they were going to do to set themselves up for next year. So Eric Comrie is a guy who has put them in this position. I will say this, though, Connor Hellebuck, when it, what he gave you last night, I would have asked for him to give that again on this night. I think he deserved an opportunity by the way he played last night to come in and do it all over again, especially since we saw him do it in Toronto last season. You know, this is a Michigan player. He knows and his, I mean, you're close enough proximity to know that the hot, you know, if you're, I don't know if he grew up, do you know if Connor Helbach grew up in Detroit Red Wings fan? Pretty sure he did, yeah. I mean, he is so, Olaf, Olaf Golzig was his favorite goalie from Washington, but I mean, he I think he was pretty sure he was a, a Red Wings fan there. For so, sure. I mean, if you're tuned into the original six, you very much know what's going on with the Toronto Maple Leafs, even if you're growing up in Michigan. And maybe it, maybe he saw Hockey Night in Canada, maybe he didn't, but he knows what's happening there. I've seen patterns of him getting up for games in Toronto. You would fully expect that. Uh, that, that that's what I would have expected from him tonight. It's so strange, Ken, because I've been, you know, kind of yelling from the rooftops about Comrie get, being given more of an opportunity. And this is the one night that I actually would have gone in a different direction of all the times I've said it. So maybe Dave Lowry is tuning into the KNR show and listening to my advice and going in the exact opposite <laughs> direction. So maybe I got to start playing. Uh, you know that game where I tend to say one thing if I'm if I'm looking for the other thing. Costanza, I had a quick yeah. thing. I mean, we know the sample size was small, but I mean, eight three and one record going into today, uh, nine twenty save percentage, two thirty nine goals against average. Nothing about that stinks. So Eric Comrie has earned everything that he's got this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Jets didn't play well enough in front of him. And again, I. I I agree that I, I, I'm with you. I, I would have played Hellebuck just because he, he had been very good. And he got a break on Friday already. But uh, And they have another break coming up after the game on Saturday. Uh, I got a quick one. Also, DJ underscore, uh, happy to have him back as well. Uh, we're going to get to Vili Hainala. Uh, don't worry about it. Um, well, let's, let's go to let's go to him right now. <laughs> let's go to him. Sure. Let's go to him. Let's take a break from pumping tires. And sure. let's go to Vili Hainala's play. Let's get on. Yeah, it was a t- it was it. a tough tough evening for Vili Hainala. Uh, but you know what, um, Sean, we've talked about this a ton. Uh, when you have a young defenseman, whether it's Logan Stanley, Vili Hainala, or anyone else, there are growing pains that happen. Vili Hainala has played some good hockey for the Jets. He's played probably four or five good games in a row. Uh, was tonight one of them? Absolutely not. Uh, he struggled. He struggled defensively. Um, Jason Spezza made a nifty move to walk around him, forcing him to hook him on the hands and take a penalty. Um, it was a tough night for Villahenola, but I will also say this, Mister uh, to DJ underscore, he didn't get a lot of help from his partner. We've talked about Neil Pionk a ton. Neil Pionk is a very tenacious player. He was the Jets' best defenseman in each of the last two seasons. He is not currently playing at that level. And Sean, I still contend that it goes back to me. He started the season pretty well. After December 5th, 
Neil Pionk, after the concussion and after the suspension, has not been the same player. Um, we understand concussions are very difficult to come back from. And again, for a player like him who has to play an assertive physical game, I think he has not been, I wouldn't say he's tentative because he still is playing hard, but he has not had the same physical component that we're used to seeing ever since that knee-on-knee with Rasmus Sandin. Don't you agree? Uh, I I do agree. Um, I will say this. um, Neil Pionk is a player that actually, you know, I think he came in under hard situations in Winnipeg because he was tasked with replacing Jacob Truba, which people didn't think he was going to be able to do. And in that first year, I thought he was the better defenseman than Jacob Truba. Now it seems to have switched back in the other direction. I do think that there's been, you know, a touch of regression that you're talking about here. I, I don't know if that's where it starts. I will say this. We know what Neil Pionk is at his most capable. He's an in-your-face style defenseman who I noticed every single game that he played. That was the one thing that I thought was interesting about him, never mind him being a small player. If you are one of those players that you see standing out, I mean, he was basically a smaller defensive version of Pierre-Luc Dubois. Is there anyone who got more in the other team's kitchen than Neil Pionk? And I love these kind of players. We've talked about this with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, You know, the effect that they have on the game outside of them scoring, outside of them putting up points, in his case, outside of him defending well or getting the puck out of his zone, if you can take the other team off their game, you're winning. You're winning at – you're doing your job. And Neil Pionk, I thought, had such a profound effect on the game in, you know, in the past with the Winnipeg Jets and the way that the other team kind of – sometimes lost their minds a little bit, sometimes thought a little bit too much about him. I think that hit um, that we saw, the knee knee to the head that we saw, was an exact reaction to exactly that. That's the kind of, you know, emotion that he instilled in other players on the opposition team. But I do think you're right. Like, that Neil Pionk is not present right now. We're not seeing that from him. And it creates a giant hole in his game, one that, you know, you probably would be surprised uh, is there because I don't think anyone takes a look at a defenseman Neil Pionk's size and thinks what we really miss about him is his physicality. But the Jets miss his physicality. He is, uh, you know, I, I, I beat this horse to death. He affects the game. He hasn't been affecting the game that he used to. Uh, I'm glad that you pointed it out because because it's a big hole. It's it's most definitely a big hole. Um, we should move on here. I want to get to Zach Sanford. Someone in the chat room asked about it. I wanted to get your take on him. I've seen varying, you know, hot and cold takes about him uh, on Twitter. Where, where where do you lie on what you've seen from him recently and maybe even tonight? Yeah, I mean, I, was Zach Sanford as effective tonight as he was yesterday? No. Um, overall, I think that Zach Sanford has shown to be a guy who's pretty strong on the puck. Uh, he can make some plays. He's got a big body. You know, is he a, does he bang on every single shift? No, but I think he can get involved physically. Uh, I think he's a smart player. Uh, I think he. One of the things that Jets. I mean, again, one of the things that Yevgeny Svechnikov has done when he's made plays is be comfortable with the puck in his stick. So, um, is he best tasked with being in a top six role? I mean. The production hasn't been there. The same argument we've had with Svechnikov, that the production wasn't there uh, on a lot of nights. So um, right now with Kyle Connor out, I, I don't know, you know, could you play Jansen Harkins up there? I mean, the, the thing about Harkins is that 
I mean, before they made the trade, Harkins was coming off a two-goal game. But since that time and going back to the fourth line, his role has been reduced and he hasn't been uh, as effective. So I think that Sanford, uh, you know, I think he's a, I, I like him with Adam Lowry personally, and I like him with Lowry and Appleton. Um, better than I would necessarily with Dubois and Wheeler, but I think he's fit in fine there. Uh, do I think he was all that noticeable tonight? No, but uh, he had a lot of company in that department. So I'm not out here saying that, you know, a guy who's been here for a handful of games uh, is costing the Winnipeg Jets. That simply is not the case. Uh, does he have more to give? Yes, sure. But I don't see it as a lack of effort from him. I just, uh, he's one of those guys where I feel like if Zach Sanford gets one to go, he could probably get a bunch because uh, you can see that he's got some hands, but I mean, I've said that about Svechnikov all year long. If we're basing it on what we see in practice, uh, Svechnikov should be a 12 to 15 goal guy, no problem. And I wouldn't be shocked if he scored 20 one year in the NHL. But I mean, there's a lot lot to go in order for that to happen. I mean, Sanford is a guy that had 16 goals with the St. Louis Blues in his best season. So um, I, I, think that, I think that he has more to give, but I actually have liked his game in most of the nights that he's played so far with the Winnipeg Jets. What about I mean, the one, thing I, uh, the one thing I think everyone has to keep in mind here is, uh, you know, like exactly what Robert Sutton is saying here, give Sandman a chance. You know, it's, it's not easy to just show up on another team and, you know, hit exactly how, you know, play the exact kind of game that you want to play. Now, we should couch this and say, like, being given an opportunity on the line beside Blake Wheeler, playing the way that Blake Wheeler is playing right now and Pierre-Luc Dubois is an absolutely massive opportunity. So we don't want to, you mm -hmm. know, play the world's smallest fiddle and, yeah, but I'm new and I haven't had some time and I need to acclimatize or acclimatize. You know, this is one of those situations where guys, you know, they need to jump on this. They need to they need to take these opportunities. So there's a little bit of that in here. Um, we did have the conversation yesterday about Sanford and the idea that maybe the Jets see something in him that they like. They see a version of him that they feel that they can turn into something greater. And if they can do that, maybe you provide him with opportunity right now to try and give him a reason to stick around as the UFA next year. But Ken, I've got a lot of time for what you just said about giving a player like Jansen Harkins that uh, opportunity. Jansen Harkins, the one thing I think has, you know, yeah, he had those two goals. Uh, and boy, it was tough to see Andrew Kopp move on right after that because they seemed to have a little bit of a, a click there when that was happening. But outside of that, he's buzzing at all times. I mean, he's hard on the puck. He's taking a lot of shots now. He's not burying them. But I like the way that Jansen Harkins is, Harkins is playing. I like the way that he's thinking like a shooter, which is what I think the Winnipeg Jets want from their, their players. He's buzzing. He's not afraid to go into the corners. He got banged up the other night. He's back already, which tells me, Ken, that he's probably pretty sore right now and playing through it. And I like what I've seen from him in those opportunities. And you touched on Svechnikov as well. I think there's an interesting conversation to be had outside of Sanford, uh, you know, of who deserves that opportunity most. And I mean, I would think that there would be some frustration if you were a player like J Jansen Harkins or maybe Evgeny Svechnikov to see that a spot opens up on one of those top lines and they hand it over to the new guy, right? Who, who? I mean, has he proven himself? Has he done enough when he was in Ottawa or in St. Louis to prove himself to get that opportunity? I mean, these are the interesting 
parts about this that I that I find fascinating. You know that there's humanity behind, behind all this, and you wonder what Jansen Harkins is thinking as that player gets that opportunity. Because I think, you know, and we're it's almost ancient history we're talking about this, Ken, but Jansen Harkins got that opportunity up with the top line a couple of years back when he first arrived in the NHL out of the AHL, and he took that opportunity, he ran with it. And it makes, if I was Jansen Harkins, I'd probably wondering why that opportunity hasn't come back my way. Or maybe a better question of that, or a better way of tackling this is to ask the question, and I'd like you to answer it. What more would you need to see from Jansen Harkins for him to get an opportunity like Zach Sanford has just been getting? Well, I mean, Zach Sanford is a more experienced player. He's got 47 NHL goals. He's got more goals than Svechnikov or... Or Harkins. I mean, has he had more opportunity at various times? Of course. Um, again, I, I think that Harkins has some of the tools. Uh, this year, one of the we talked about this all last year, Sean. One of the biggest mysteries was how Jansen Harkins looked. Went from looking like one of the better players in the first scrimmage in training camp to being a frequent healthy scratch last season. And we know part of that had to do with the Jets had Trevor Lewis, Nate Thompson, and uh, often Matthew Perot on the fourth line and. Uh, there were not a ton of opportunities, but for a guy who went from Jansen took the biggest two years earlier, he took the biggest leap on the depth chart going from basically a forgotten draft pick, uh, a high draft pick um, to jumping up the depth chart and having a cameo with Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley to being a healthy scratch and now searching to find his way. So, I mean, this is always a two way street for me, Sean. I mean, Harkins could do more and he could also get a better opportunity. But right now he's in the kind of uh, in-between area where he hasn't gotten a lengthy stretch with either the third line or higher. And, you know, he in his limited time, he hasn't, you know, again, seven goals considering his ice time is pretty steady for a team that didn't have a ton of secondary scoring. But uh, at the same time, I think Jansen Harkins also has more to give. But, I mean, that's it's the chicken and egg. I mean... Can, if you do more, you get more opportunity, but when you get more, more opportunity, you have to do more. I mean, I think it applies to all those players, whether it's Harkins, Svechnikov, or Sanford now in this opportunity. So um, it's interesting. I mean, I, I totally understand. And I mean, being in a position where you're jumping up and down the lineup and your position is not secure, it is not a fun place to be. But those are the, unless you are an established top six player, that's life because there's always someone coming for your job. I mean, um, that's sort of just the way it goes. And sorry, and just a quick one. I mean, we haven't mentioned this for a few days. Andrew Kopp has just been unbelievable for the New York Rangers. I mean, he got the overtime winner. The He set up the overtime winner, I think, two games ago, and he got the overtime winner yesterday. So, I mean, Kopp's doing a fabulous job of fitting in with the New York Rangers. And uh, sorry to segue here, but I know if you have one thing to wrap up with Harkins, I mean, I know that Morgan Barron was very limited in terms of his ice time. But I'd like to see a bit more of him. I mean, I, I saw enough in those few shifts. Uh, is he the fleetest of foot? No, but he looks like he's a really smart player. I noticed him on the four check a few times. And I think he actually could mesh well um, with Jansen Harkins on a fourth line. And this is another thing. I know I've been banging this drum all season long. I want to see David Gustafson. I mean, uh, this is another one of the confusing things to me. Uh, I understand what happened with his injuries, but... David Gustafson has played great since he's returned to the Manitoba Moose. I, I think the Jets have to find a way to get him in the lineup. I understand Dominic Toninato works incredibly hard and has, has done a pretty good job in the penalty kill, but, I mean, the penalty kill is now struggling. 
I'm not blaming Dominic Toninato for that by any stretch either. I think the Jets need to find a way to get David Gustafson in the lineup, and they and I don't think they should have to wait until they potentially get eliminated from playoff contention. But at the same time, uh, you know, he's going to have to continue to push through and play well with the Moose in order to get an opportunity if when if and when one will arise. Well, it, it's an interesting question, and we'll get in. For, sorry, I just got to take care of some business before we do this here. Roscoe, uh, it's good to have you back, but we've t- talked about this before. You're using language. You're t- I don't care if you're talking about players or whatever. We're not here to bash people and call people names. I mean, I'm going to put you in the <laughs> – Sounds so stupid. I'm going to put you in a timeout here. Uh, but, I mean, we, we've explained this. You can't do that. You're welcome here to share your views. Uh, you're not welcome here, though, to come here and be lipping people off and be calling people names, whether it's the players or people in the chat room. It's not what we're about. I don't think I need to say it again. Uh, and I won't say it again. Um, that's it after that. So, uh, you know what? Morgan Barron, I just wanted to, you know, talk about him. Uh, and... and uh, Okay, so sorry. I'm going to back up and I'm going to talk about what you talked about. This is kind of the other part about this. I mean, you t- see Sanford, it's it's almost like the shiny new toy thing, Ken, right? Like you get something new and maybe part of this is you get, you need to get a look at them at the NHL level to see what you have here, right? So you grab, you grab Sanford and you give him an opportunity on the top line and you put him right away onto that third line to see what he's capable of doing. So I, I've got time for that argument and what you're talking about, what he's done in the past. I still do think that there's going to be some frustration there, as there should be for players like Jansen Harkins or Evgeny Svechnikov. Um, but when it comes to a player like Morgan Barron, I, I was thinking exactly the road that you traveled down there, that the Gus Bus is not traveling. He's not traveling the road to the NHL and being given that opportunity. But Morgan Barron hops up here and gets a little bit of a look. Now, did I like what I saw from him? There was one play there where he was taking the puck uh, mm-hmm. behind the net. You know, you can see he knows how to use his size. Kind of reversed the puck to the front of the net. Now, he didn't, he didn't click on the play, but it was one of those situations where I, I thought, you know, it, it, it was, it was a smart play. So you can see flashes of the offense that he's capable of. You can see his size clearly how he uses it. So I can see that there's something there, but I just wonder about this idea of bringing these players in and giving them opportunities that other guys have been salivating for. I mean, how does David Gustafson feel about that call-up, Ken? I mean, you've been the guy who's been beating the drum louder than anyone when it comes to David Gustafson. I, I, I have an idea how you feel about it, but if you're David Gustafson, what are the thoughts going through your head right now? Yeah, I mean, there's got to be an element of frustration, Sean, but also he, he also knows that it was unlucky that in two of his games that he played when he did finally get the opportunity... He was hurt. He didn't get out of the second period in either one of those games. So I mean, I, I know, not, I'm, I, I'm not blaming him, Sean. Yeah. But those are the facts. I mean, I mean, if you're the Jets, I don't think you have to be concerned about it. those are freak injuries. And one of them was when he went to the net, which is why what the Jets have been asking all of their players to do. But I mean, are you worried that if you call a guy up, that maybe what if he gets hurt again and now you're playing with eleven forwards? I mean, I don't know if that's factoring into it. But I mean, even this year alone. Barron had had, I think, 18 games with the Rangers. So, uh, no, I mean, I don't believe that for one second. The Jets do believe in David Gustafson. So he's going to get an opportunity, whether it's this year or in the fall. But, of course, there'd be frustration. But, again, it's how you handle the frustration. We've talked about this all year long, about whether it's with Vili Hainala or with somebody else. Uh, everyone wants to be in the NHL. Those are the facts. But... Uh, until you establish yourself as a player, and even once you establish yourself, the, the fine line between being comfortable and complacent is very thin. 
especially when you haven't established yourself as an NHL player. So um, it's interesting. I mean, he brings some size again there. Good point by Doug. Uh, I like the smarts. I think that I think that he would be. I think I'd like to see him on a line with David Gustafson at the NHL level and see what those guys can do with Jansen Harkins uh, with them. But we'll see. I mean, this will be something to evolve or the, how this evolves will be interesting because sorry, just going back to your original point, Sean, how would you feel if Zach Sanford's getting those opportunities? If you're a player like Svechnikov or Harkins, you feel like the Jets don't believe they have a good enough player in you. That's why they went and got somebody else and gave him that opportunity. Yeah, there you go. Right, but there's two ways to handle that. You either are sour about it or you show them that they're wrong. You know what? You You become a better player. Yeah, be better and show them that they're wrong, right? So uh, I know it's easy to blame coaches and it's easy to think it's someone else's problem or someone else's fault, but I put the onus on on the player. I mean, I, I understand sometimes it's very difficult, but... My best advice from covering 10 years of the American Hockey League and seeing many players feel as though they either didn't get a chance or were better than the guy that got the chance, the best way to handle yourself in that situation is to give the team no choice but to play you more. However way you do that is up to you. It is is difficult, of course, but it is possible, and that is the best way to ingratiate and earn the trust. I mean, you were asking... um, they were asking about the Jeff Hamilton was asking about the trust. How does Villianella earn the trust? Trust is a two-way street, but I can assure you that if you provide effort and ability, the coach will trust you quicker than if you're sitting down, pointing fingers and pouting about not getting an opportunity. And I'm not saying any of these guys are doing that, but I've seen lots of guys do that in the past. Um, you know what? Uh, we know that we like our rock on this show, and I think it's. Uh, uh... I think it's Kiss that say start their concerts with "You wanted the best, you got the best." Well, we've got the best guest when it comes to this, and you wanted the best, you asked for him. Here comes Scott Billick uh, to share his opinions on the on the show here. Um, Scotty, we kind of finish our thoughts on this because we're talking about Morgan Barron coming in here. I think you heard what Kenny was just talking about here. The one thing that I think about this is. It feels as though a guy like Morgan Barron, people were talking about his numbers. He walks up, he's given that opportunity, right? Zach Sanford comes into the lineup. He's given a lot of opportunity where I think what Jets fans kind of confused with this is Kenny touched on it. The Gus bus comes up, you know, twice gets injured. It's not one of those things I think you can blame on the player, but he's down and that opportunity is gone. He's still waiting for the next one. Training camp, he wasn't given much of an opportunity to make this team this season. A guy like Jansen Harkins, you know, he goes out, he scores those goals. It doesn't necessarily turn into opportunity after that. He's still waiting for more. Svechnikov, a lot of people have thought he's proven himself a number of different times and, and it seems to be kind of bouncing back. And, you know, I guess the ultimate is Billy Hainala, a guy who has had to work really, 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 really hard to earn that two-way trust that Ken is talking about. Do you think that the Jets treat, you know, the the, the newfound toys like the the Sanfords and the Barons any differently than they do the guys that they've had in house for a while? And if so, what do you think, or why would you think that? Hold on, start again. Unmute your mic. There we go. No, you just you. Just, um. <laughs> There, there we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I unmuted myself, so yeah, we're good. Um, you know, it's a good question, and I, I don't know the answer to it. I mean, I think Morgan Barron gets the call today because 
he has the NHL experience that maybe David Gustafson does. I don't even know if that's true, though. Like, I don't know how many games each of them have played. I mean, Morgan Barron only has, you know, 20 maybe, I think, something like that. I can't remember. I, I think you're looking in that game for somebody who's a bigger guy and, and that sort of thing. And I, I'm not sure where they're at with Gustafson. I mean, I know Kenny's been driving the, the Gus bus all year. Um I mean, he's played what nineteen total seconds, whatever the the whatever it was. I mean, he, he barely played, right? I mean, that's that's part of Gustafson's problem. I mean, he's he's been injured, and you know, But to answer your question, I I don't know. I mean, do they let their guys their own you know in house like you say guys marinate more um, than others? Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, I, I sort of I feel that way, and I I don't know why. I mean, this is maybe your only chance that you're gonna get this season to see if Morgan Barron can kind of plug in on that on that fourth line and you know you get him in you're able to get a look i mean dave lowry didn't even really uh, i think he said it was it this morning maybe he said in the pregame show he had no idea um you know you really hadn't really seen this guy that much so um yeah i don't know it's a good question i just don't have a good answer for it because you know I, I we see like you know why isn't dylan sandberg maybe been brought back up when he had a really good showing yeah i mean he mm-hmm. was injured but he's played a while now right so When's his time when Logan Stanley was having a tough time? You know, obviously, Billy Heinle has been with the team most of the year, or, well, been with the team for quite a bit of the year. So maybe, you know, he deserves that chance. But right now, you know, with Schmidt out, maybe we see Dylan Sandberg. I don't know. I thought Dylan Sandberg played very sound defensively, which is part of the problem with the Jets is they don't really play sound defensive hockey. And so when you put in a guy like that, why isn't he back in the lineup when he's healthy? Like, that's the part that I don't understand. And then, you know, we can go with how they've, you know, in, in uh, I think a lot of our opinions mishandled, you know, Vili Heinola, you know, coming up and, and not playing him or sitting him in the press box or, you know, Logan Stanley's issues have been kind of maybe glossed over at times because, you know, he's played more games, obviously, and he's been allowed to make mistakes that maybe Vili hasn't been allowed to make, at, mm-hmm. you know, at times. So, it's a good, it just, it, I, I don't know. Like, it, it feels like sometimes they mismanage the better players rather than, you know, managing maybe the players that aren't as good and maybe putting them out. It's almost like they extend, you know, the, the branch to those guys for a little longer for some reason. And then when you have guys like, you know, this is the whole reason I think where you bring, yeah. This is the whole reason why I think you kind of you you have these these competitions, right? Where it, if you have depth in your organization, you should be leveraging it. Not, you know, like if like, one guy's not playing, put it, put the other guy in. And I, I get the idea too that you know people want to see Logan Stanley come out of the lineup after X number of games this year, and they want to give Billy Heinle like a twenty games to see what he can do. And like I get that, but. Problem is right now, I mean, and trust is one of the factors, right? You know, does, does Dave Lowry trust Billy Heinle over Logan Stanley, even if Logan Stanley's making mistakes? And I don't know, right? Like, because, you know, do you go with the devil you know or the devil you don't know? And, and part of the problem with the Jets this year is at the time, this time of year, you, you kind of don't have a, a, an option, right? Like, you have to play who you think or who you trust, perhaps, the most at right now because you're trying to find wins every night and you know I, I don't know what you m- want to say about tonight's game because it was a bit of a write-off and I think a lot of people kind of thought that going in but I mean it was defensively it was a poor effort across the board I, you know, in, in my opinion on both sides uh, of the ice tonight but um, yeah I mean 
I went to the buffet there. If my voice sounds a little sexy, I'm just out of uh, sick face, so I'm still trying <laughs> to get it back. But uh, yeah, anyways, that's what um, I got for that one. You know what? I've I've got to apologize. I've I've failed as a technical guy here. I had a comment by EKD that I wanted to dive into, so I'm not going to be able to give you bring it up on the screen or give you the full gist of what it was. But basically what he was talking about was he thought that maybe the Jets kind of psyched themselves out of this game. You know, we were all talking about it being a retribution game and that maybe the Jets got a little too up for it. Uh, I've got time for that uh, for that comment. Um, I'll say it like this. I was on uh, Fan 590 in Toronto before the game and they had sounded like they were getting had sounded like they were getting ready to ring the bell. Sounded like Sheldon Keith before the game. And you know, you can tell by the way he put his lineup together. He was preparing for something to happen. Um but I wonder about this game tonight, guys. I had thought that if if they got into the type of game where Toronto went looking for retribution, that would have played into the Jets' hands entirely. Yeah. And I think Pierre-Luc Dubois just on autopilot is yeah. the kind of guy who starts stuff the way that we saw. Was it he and Engvall who went to the box tonight? Yeah. I mean, that's just yeah. how he plays. Um, but but do, you, do you have any time for the theory that maybe the Jets uh, are the ones that kind of got caught? Because I, I fully and completely think the last game they played, the Leafs got too involved in that kind of stuff, and that ended up in them losing the game. I very much think that they lost the game because of that. Do you think that the Jets maybe didn't have their minds right because of you know those players coming to the lineup and thinking that, that the game was going to go in that direction? <laughs> I'm I'm just playing with the chat right now. So yeah, no worries, Ken. You take that. You start with that one. Yeah, I don't think that was a factor at all, Sean. I don't think the Jets yeah. got caught either being intimidated or being extra, trying to be extra physical. Uh, personally, I mean, do you have to be on alert when Wayne Simmons is out there? Yeah, I mean, he had a couple big hits in the game. There's no doubt about that. Um, that's why. <laughs> that's why Wayne Simmons was in the lineup to be a physical force. I mean. Uh, do do I think the Jets should have thrown down a few other times? No. I mean, I did I think the Jets no. got pushed around? No. They got outskilled by a skilled team that took it to them on special teams. Um, that That's what I personally saw. I don't think they got kind of uh, worried about shenanigans. Uh, at, at some point, do I, you know, when it comes to the evolution of Logan Stanley, at some point when, it, when when a team is down by a goal or two, do I think he maybe should have accepted a challenge from Wayne Simmons? I mean, if that's an element he wants to add to his game, then by all means. But am I out here saying the Jets got pushed around? No. Um, could they have been more emotional, more physical? Sure. Uh, but, you know, the tank didn't seem to be allowing that. And again, is that is that just yeah. a matter of fact of where the Jets are in game 69? Perhaps I mean, right. if it took them if it took them two months to win three in a row for the first time, should it be a surprise that on a back to back the Jets were not able to win four in a row for the first time since the end of October? I mean, they've shown us what they are to this point. I mean, can they go on a oh. heater? Yes, but should we expect it uh, until they show us differently? I, I don't think we should be expecting it. Yeah, so I, I don't think last night's game was a walk in the park either, right? Like. The Jets, the Jets tr went hard for that win last night, right? Like it wasn't like you know they they took Buffalo, like Buff they didn't take Buffalo to the ringer. I mean that game was hard. It, it was contested, and it went you know sixty five minutes plus in the shootout. Yeah. So it, it's just it's a tough you know it's a tough thing to ask going into Toronto. 
but again, at the same time, I mean, that is, you're not really afforded that excuse right now either, right? Oh, well, you played back to back. So you have to, I mean, I mean, and then you know, Wheeler broke out. I, I think he broke out the, well, last night he broke a five and eight. I think tonight he didn't, but they played seven and 12. I mean, it's like, yeah, but this is the hole you've dug yourself, right? So it is. What it is. Well, here, Scott, I'm going to ask you this. I don't know if you're on yep. to the top end of the show. Uh, I started digging in because, uh, as I said, the Jets are uh, um, seven and three in their last 10 games. Only two teams in the Western Conference have a better uh, record over the last 10 games than the yep. Winnipeg Jets. But I started <laughs> digging into that and I took a look at this. Um, I don't know if you heard this stat, but in their last 22 games, how many times do you think the Jets have beat a team above the playoff line? You're asking me how many times in the last 20? One quarter of a season. In one quarter of a season, how many times have they beat a team over the playoff line? That's over the playoff line right now. Uh, I'll go with like five, maybe, maybe yeah, six. It's, it's two. It's two times. They, <laughs> it's worse than I thought. <laughs> the ten, well, they, listen, listen. <laughs> uh, it, it, it would be wow. four if you. It would be four if you counted Vegas. Sorry. I'm not counting Vegas because Vegas is is um, one point above Dallas right now, but giving up four games in hand. So for all intents and purposes, oh, there we go. Dear. For all intents Sorry. and purposes, Dallas is above there. But the, the, I guess the question that I'm asking you, it's kind of what Ken talked about. Can they go on a run? Yes, they can. I think there's a belief that they can. I know that Ken is also saying that we need them to show us that they can before we can fully believe that. But I'm going to ask you the question. Based on the schedule that they have here, are, have the Jets essentially shown us, you know, to Ken's point, that they are exactly where they are because that's who they are, a team that can beat teams below them in the standings but can't beat teams above them in the standings. Should there be any kind of belief that the Jets can take a run with eight games left against teams above the playoff line? Uh, I, I think they can because, you know, well, and, and the record, obviously. Uh, because the Jets can rise to the level of their competition, right? Like, and, and I know, okay, so this record in the last, whatever, 22 games isn't really sh showing that. But we've seen this over time, right? The last time they played Toronto, the, you know, they, they've played these teams, Vegas, right? They've played Vegas several times this year, um, or three times, I guess it was, and they won all three of them, did they not? So... Um, against a deeply, deeply wounded I, Vegas I get team. It. But but you also have to factor in games. the fact I agree. But you also I think have to factor in at the end of this, you know, at the end of this season when some of these teams like you know, the murderer's row comes on that final road trip, right? I mean that's mm -hmm. that's where it gets difficult, right? You win three or four of those, you might be talking about it. if you win all four of those, well who knows, right? But you're also gonna be facing teams that are kind of, you know, are you going to be facing Andre Vasilevsky in Tampa Bay that night? I, I don't know, yeah. right? Are you going to be facing Bob in in Florida? Are you going to be facing Shesterkin in in New York? Like that's because this is the thing, right? I mean, some of these teams are in load management at this point, right? Because you know Vasilevsky has always been a guy about load management. Because the one playoff year, he said he was so fatigued he couldn't, you know, they they got run out of the building. So. And then so he's learned from that. That's one of the things that Andre Vasilevsky has learned during the season. So does that play into the Jets' hands down the stretch? That's what I wonder. You know, the Jets are taking care of business where they need to, I suppose, when it comes to these, you know, lower whatever, have-not teams, whatever you want to call them. But the big test is to come. I mean, they have to beat L.A. on Saturday, right? 
They have to beat, win their games next week. They also have a back-to-back against Ottawa and Montreal that you, you kind of have to win. Both those games are like those are going to be must-win games at that point. And then you come home, you play Seattle at home, which is going to be a must-win. And then you got to figure out that that road trip because that road trip I think makes or breaks the season. It's easy to say that I think right now, um, just because of the the talent that you have to beat to get there. But I mean that's where you're going to find out what this this team is actually made of. And you know, there's every chance that they go on zero and four on that road trip, and then the season's over because those are great teams. But I think they're catching those teams at a good time. If, if there's any time that you want to catch them, it's in the second last week of the season, like they're going to at that point, where these teams are kind of winding down. They're not winding down, but you know, just trying to keep guys not injured going into the playoffs. So we'll see. But because the th- thing with the Eastern Conference right now too. There's a lot of teams like all those teams are already set. They're all going to the playoffs that the Jets are going to face on that road trip. But the, the crazy thing about that whole thing is that like they're still jockeying for position, right? Who's going to play Toronto or who's going to play Boston? Nobody wants to face some of those teams in the wild card, right? Because Tampa Bay might be in the wild card. Who knows what's going to happen? So that's the other thing. Like they might also be facing those teams where they want to win just to get out of it. So we'll see what happens. And and but I. It's not. I, I think we've all figured that they need a minor miracle to make, or even a major miracle to get into the playoffs. But I think there's been times where this Jets team has shown that they can, they can play to the level of their opposition. They show it so many times against these have-not teams. I just wonder if, <laughs> I just wonder if they if they can do it against uh, you know the teams that you know at the end of the day they're going to have to beat. I think three of the four on that road trip. And those are the, I mean, you have maybe two, three losses now to give, um, you know, going into the next 13 games. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can maybe spot those teams too if you if you run into that on a five-game winning streak, whatever it's going to take going into that into that road trip. But, yeah, it's not easy. I mean, nobody said this was going to be easy. They've dug themselves a massive hole. Um, can they do it? I mean, I, I don't know. I've seen we've seen strange things happen, right? St. Louis last place to first place to Stanley Cup. I mean, it's possible. It's not probable, um, but at the same time, you know, I think this team can do it. I just don't know if they've shown it this year, and that might be the problem, right? We're almost comparing to teams of yesteryear and and thinking that well, yeah, we've seen this happen with this group even at times do it, but they haven't really done it this year. Um, so they're going to have to pull a rabbit out of their hat on that one. Um, Kenny, quickly, just uh, for that road trip. I mean, the one counter to your point, Scott. Even though it's late in the year, you touched on it a bit. I mean, some of those teams want to be first in the division, like Florida. So, wants yeah, to be that's first, what I meant. So right? they might, Jockey they for... might play. They might be playing Bobrovsky. Yeah. I mean, I don't sure. think that the, yeah. Jet, the Jets might see a backup in those games. And the other problem with, like what you said, even if they split that road trip, that probably means you got to sweep the Colorado Avalanche in your last two meetings with them right. in Winnipeg. Yeah. At bare yeah. minimum, you have to get to overtime once and win the other game. I mean, yeah. again, Sean, you, you said it about a month ago. The Jets can basically afford one loss per week, so they can't afford to lose to the LA Kings, who are you know just right. played a great game against Edmonton last night. Uh, they can't afford to lose uh, next weekend when they play the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, they can't afford to lose the week after when they go to Ottawa and Montreal. I mean, that's just the way that it goes. So it's right. going to be interesting to watch. You know, Quickly. I'll say this. You know, it's kind of our detective work. we got to try and figure out, you know, take all the clues and figure out what this team is capable of. Um, 
I'll say this down the stretch. I, I, I just don't think based on what we've seen from this, that there's there that we should believe that the Jets are going to be able to go on a heater against these teams. And, and I go back again to these last six games that were played. It's a question of, are the Jets just playing up to stuff just enough to get past the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Buffalo Sabres, and, you know, not showing up against Ottawa, throwing, you know, the towel in and letting Connor Hellebuck win you a game against a, a very damaged and wounded um, Golden Knights team. Uh, that Chicago game, which they, they admitted they probably should have lost. Like to me, um, the belief that they should be able to go out now and, like Kenny said, beat Colorado a couple times and do something on that murderer's row of a trip. I don't know that I've seen the evidence that would suggest that they should be able to do that. I mean, I know that you're talking about it. I know that you pointed back to games throughout the season that they won. Um, I don't know that we've seen enough of that and haven't seen for a long time an ability by that team to raise their game. Boston came into town. They lost to Boston. They played New York Rangers when they came into town. They lost to the New York Rangers. Like the really good teams, you know, we think about when Carolina was in town, when Florida was in town, those teams really were able to make, you know, the tidy business of the Winnipeg Jets. So do I think this roster is capable of that? Sure. But this roster is in a position because of the way they've played. And, and I have no not yet seen the evidence from this team that would suggest, and I, I hold this last game stretch, even the fact that they took 10 of 12 points for tonight's game, it was done in such a precarious manner that those goal, those games could have gone in very different directions. Now, if the Jets would have sailed through that and taken the same amount of points, 10 out of 12 points, because winning five out of six is phenomenal, no matter how you do it, no matter how you break it down. But if the Jets had gone through that and really showed that they were a level above those teams and then headed in here, even if they'd had a bad night against Toronto, I would have seen evidence that they were capable of raising their game. I haven't seen that yet. Now, like Kenny said, it's an important game against L.A. Uh, maybe that's where they start. Maybe they learned lessons from tonight. Maybe they're finally applying those things and moving forward. Uh, but to me, that two wins against teams above the playoff line in 22 games, if the question is, have the Jets figured something out here and they're charging towards the finish line, or do the Jets benefit from a really, really weak schedule, it's looking to me like it's the weak schedule that is is propelling them at this stage based on the fact that they've got four points against teams above the playoff line over that quarter of a season stretch. Guys, we should shut this down. Uh, maybe people are interested in watching that Dallas game. Uh, sounds like uh, uh, you know, the hockey gods are... Sounds like the hockey gods are working in the favor of the Jets and gave the gave a bounce that's tied that game up. So there we go. Before we do go, you saw uh, Scotty holding up before his wake up KNR mug in red comes in blue comes in white. We've got our KNR shirts, our wake ups, Sean's headband, and our just regular KNR shirts. If you want any of that stuff, go to www.shopsportsnet.store. My Perlator Courier guy dropped off some winter boots today, guys. And uh, he's a big KNR fan. He was talking about the show, so I gave him one of our uh, uh, our water bottles, our KNR water bottle. So if you just happen to be in the neighborhood at Randy's house, you, who knows? I'm, maybe I'll throw <laughs> something in your direction if you come out you're there. Sure. Thank you, you so much, everybody. Uh, one thing, do before we do Whoa. go, we should plug our uh, show from before. Um, our uh, K&R long-form show. We were, once again, really happy with this one. Kyle Bukoskis from Hockey Night in Canada stopped by, and Brock McGillis, who is just doing absolutely phenomenal
little work trying to make uh, hockey an accepting uh, and equal environment, doing really great work. It's worth checking out if you'd like to check it out. We'd sure appreciate it. If you did, last thing, if you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, what's taking so long? Get in there and do exactly that. And click like helps us uh, reach more people, which we are always trying to do. Thank you so much, chat room, for everything you've done. Scotty, thank you for joining us here today. Ken, great job as usual. We will see you all after the game, Hockey Night in Canada, as they take on the LA Kings.